0: So, if you have your copy of God's Word there, let's turn to Isaiah 40, and we're going to read the first 11 verses. Isaiah 40, the first 11 verses. Brothers and sisters, you are about to hear the very Word of God. Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her. That her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. The voice of him that cries in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. And the voice said, cry. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all the goodliness there is thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth. But the Spirit, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, and the flower fadeth. But the word of our God shall stand forever. O Zion that bringest good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem that bringest good tidings, lift up thy voice with strength, lift it up and be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with a strong hand. And his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom. And he shall gently lead those that are with young. Let's pray together. Father, we are truly thankful this morning for your word. We are thankful that we get to read it. And that we get to hear it. And that we get to pray it. And that we get to sing it. That we spend this day, your day, with your word in our mouth and on our lips. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name this morning that your Spirit would be active among us, that your Spirit would comfort our hearts and lead us into all truths. And we pray this morning by the power of your Word and by the power of your Spirit that you would change us and that you would make us more and more and more like Jesus. And it's in His name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. (laughs) O Zion, O Jerusalem, O beloved of the Lord, behold your God. To those who live around about the Lord and his people, behold your God. I bring you good tidings of great joy. This passage this morning is full of grace and mercy and covenantal faithfulness and sovereignty and power and might and tender loving kindness. This passage takes place in a particular time, in a particular place. God's people are in captivity. God's people find themselves in a strange land. God's people did not hear and did not obey His word. God's people did not heed His prophets. God's people did not delight in His day of rest. God's people committed adultery in worshiping idols. They sought blessing and provision through sacrificing their children to false gods. These children that were a very sign of God's covenantal faithfulness and blessing to them. And God toppled their world. He brought in a strange people who hauled them off to a strange land. A land full of idols. A land full of... Idol worshipers. Does this sound familiar to anyone? This sounds like the day in which we live. Surely with your eyes of faith, you can see the Lord at work. You can see him judging his people. You can see him destroying idol after idol after idol in our land. Lord, have mercy. And this is exactly what this passage is about. As they stood in a strange land, they faintly remembered a promise of deliverance. They still sang the songs, but did they believe the message? And then the prophet hears a voice. It is the Lord speaking to him. And he tells him, To comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, says your God. Speak comfortably. To Jerusalem. This is speak comfort to their heart. And cry unto her. That her warfare is accomplished. That her iniquity is pardoned. That she has received of the Lord's hand. Double for all her sins. This is the Lord's grace to His people. This is His comfort to His people. His word speaks comfort to our hearts. It's interesting here that the way the language is set up is sort of like, um, uh, how do we say it? It's, it's sort of like Yoda is speaking at the moment. Also accomplished is her warfare. Pardoned are her sins. The emphasis is on what has been Accomplished. What has already been done. Accomplished is her warfare. Pardoned are her sins. For her sins she has received double. Now surely this doesn't mean that the people have paid the price for their sins. We know that we cannot do that. We cannot live righteously enough to be forgiven our sins. This... Receiving double surely has to be the double blessing of the Lord Jesus paying for our sins, paying the penalty for our sins, and for receiving His righteousness. Amen? This is the great exchange. Jesus gets our sin, and we get His righteousness. The passage continues and tells of the Lord's tender providence to His people. It, it previews the work of John the Baptist who would, who would speak a similar message. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. That's the message this morning now, isn't it? Be prepared for the Lord. For if we... Are not already in captivity. We may soon be. But God has promised to His people then, He has promised to His people now that He is going to deliver us out of Babylon. He is going to deliver us out of that strange land full of ugly, gross idols and those who worship them. He is going to remove every obstacle. He is going to go before us and lead us home. And catch this. He's going to do it in such a way that everybody, everybody, believer and unbeliever alike is going to see the glory of the Lord. It shall be revealed to them. Even his enemies will be able to see the Lord's glory. Everybody in our land today knows that our entire culture is shaking. They don't know what to do. God's people should know what to do. But those round about us are scared. They're panicking. You can see it in their eyes. They have nowhere to go. They see their foolishness, and they only see more foolishness ahead of them. But you and I have a job to do, don't we? You and I have a message. Let's keep working down through here, all right? And the voice said, cry. And he said, what shall I cry? This is comforting to me because the prophet is saying, what do I declare? What do I say? And the voice tells him, the word of the Lord comes to him and says, all flesh is grass. And all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of of the field the grass withers the flower fades because the Spirit of the Lord blows upon it surely the grass you see what's going on here the prophet is saying I don't know what to say I have nothing within me that I can say to these people who are in captivity that will comfort them and this voice speaks to him, and he doubles down and he confirms. He says, you're right. You don't have anything to say. There's an interesting thing that takes place here. This word goodliness in verse 6, it says, all flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. Several weeks ago, I sent out an email about the word hesed. Remember? That it's about, The Lord's mercy. It's about His grace. It's about His loving kindness. I like the definition. It is about His covenant faithfulness to His people. This word goodliness is that word hesed. So when you read it that way, we begin to see what's going on. All flesh is grass and all the hesed of the people All their covenantal faithfulness is as the flower of the field. It springs up good and strong, right? And then withers like that and is gone. Sound familiar? (laughs) Let's think about the apostle Peter here for a second. You remember Peter, right? Peter gets it right in so many ways. Who do you say that I am? And Peter answers, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Right? Good job, Peter. Isn't that great? Nails it. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Matthew 26. I want to read something for you. Matthew 26, 26. Follow along with me here. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink ye all of it. For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. This is Peter who said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He lived three years with the Lord Jesus. He was here in this moment. The passage continues. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. Then says Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock shall be scattered abroad. But after I am risen again, I will go before you into Galilee. And Peter Peter said unto him, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. And Jesus said, truly, I say to you, that this very night, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said unto him, though I should die with you, yet will I not deny you. And then all the other apostles lined up and said the same thing. Now we know what happened, right? We know where their covenant faithfulness went that night. We know where their strength went that night. Don't we? And Peter speaks of this. He remembers this event. He says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. First Peter, right? For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is, as the flower of grass. You see, the the grass withers and the flower thereof falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached to you. You see, the message here is that we are to only trust in the Word of God. The Gospel comes to us by the spoken, by the the breathed out Word of God. The Gospel comes to us by the living Word. It is the Gospel of our salvation. And to that we say hallelujah and amen. So as these people are in Babylon, they're hearing this message come to them and, say, and, they're, and they're hearing, the Lord is coming to deliver you. He's coming to comfort your hearts. He's going to remove every obstacle. He has paid every price. He has provided everything they need. And then in this passage, He tells them, This is what you're going to do. You ready? Church of God, here comes your instructions. Verse 9. O Zion, that's you, right? That bringest good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem, that bringest good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up and be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. He delivers with a strong arm. Behold, the Lord God will come with a strong hand and His arm shall rule for Him. Behold, His reward is with Him and His work before Him. Do you see this? Good tidings of great joy. This is your job. You are to get up into the high mountain where you sit right now. And you are to sing. And you are to pray. And you are to shout, if we dare, the praises of God through and by His Word. Amen? Good tidings of great joy. Where do we hear that? You guys know this, you can talk. The gospel, right? The birth of Jesus. This here in Isaiah is the first time we hear this good news spoken of so plainly. This good news propels us up the mountain. This good news brings us to the beauty of holiness, where we hear the gospel, we sing the gospel, we lift our hands and we lift our voices in praise to our God, the one who has delivered us from bondage, amen? He's rescued us from Babylon. He has saved us out of idol worship. He has delivered us from sin and from death. He calls us to Himself by His word. He tells us to bring this message of good tidings, this message of great joy. Do not be afraid. But declare. Do not be afraid, but praise. See, this is a a simple task, isn't it? We are not to be afraid to speak comforting words to Zion. That's you and I. We should not be afraid to speak the word of God to each other. It is not trite, it is not tired. It is the comforting words of our God. We are not to be afraid to say, Behold your God. And in doing so, we declare to the heathen round about, Behold your God. Jesus is Lord. Jesus rules And reigns, we are told to tell every creature, to preach the gospel to every creature. We are told to preach peace and comfort to every creature by the word of God. How could we possibly be afraid? What can man do to us? Our God delivers us out of. Every evil, amen. Is everybody still awake out there? Everybody with me? You see, we need to warn the heathen round about, and sometimes I think we need to remind god 's people of who we 're talking about here. This is the Messiah King, right? This is our warrior king. This is his strong arm, right? His mighty right hand. He has enough strength to subdue even you and I. He has enough strength to bind the strong man, to defeat the power of death. He has the power to restrain and subdue and conquer all of your enemies and His enemies as well. Right? 1 Corinthians 15, For He must reign until He has put all enemies under His feet. By His strong arm, He has put all enemies under His feet. Good news, indeed. Amen? Alright, so this brings us to verse 11, right? Oh great, that was just the introduction? I'll try to pick it up here a little bit. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather the lambs with his arms. He will carry them in his bosom. And he shall gently lead those that are with young. I love how Hebrew works sometimes. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. Feed and shepherd are the same word. He shall feed like a feeder. He shall shepherd like a shepherd. It's trying to emphasize his role. What does the shepherd do? Anybody here have livestock? It's okay to raise your hands. A few of you. What does the shepherd do? He shepherds, thank you. Oh, suffers? He does, yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. He leads them to good pasture. He feeds them. He protects them. He nourishes them. He cares for them. He looks upon them with pleasure and delight. This is the work of a warrior king, this is the work of a tender shepherd. He feeds his flock. You know, I once heard a man say that if we were honest when we read the Bible, we read all the way through the Bible, if we were really honest, the first thing we would say when we were done is, what's with all the food? Right? Think about it. Jesus' role is to feed us. That's what it says right here. So when we think about all the passages in all of Scripture that talks about food, we have to think about Jesus. When we think about all the passages that are about food, we have to think about Jesus feeding us what? Himself. Himself. We have to think about Jesus feeding us himself as the word of God, right? 1 John 1. I mean, think about this for a minute. You, you want like the ultimate picture of a Jewish mother here, right? We read this earlier, Genesis 1, 26 through 31. We're coming to the end of creation, all right? God has spoken All the universe into existence. Right? We know how all that works. Not even close. All right? And then he creates stars, sun, right? Separates the earth from the water. He creates animals. He creates man. And then what does he say? Did you catch that when we read it earlier? He tells the highest point of creation, his people, right? God blessed them and he said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowls of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth, right? There's your marching orders. Now, you know what you're supposed to do, but wait. Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in which there is fruit-yielding seeds, that it shall be for you food. Grab something to eat, right? Before you go off to work, grab something to eat. Let's eat, right? So I want you to think now about like your favorite passage that talks about food. Is Jesus there? Yes, he is. Is the word of God there? Yes, he is. I mean, think about Noah, right? God judges the world. He judges sin. He recreates the world and he tells Noah, here's what you can eat. Think of the Passover, all right? God comes and he judges Egypt and there are plagues like nobody's ever seen. And he's getting ready to unleash the worst of the plagues, right? And what does he do? Let's grab something to eat. And what do they eat? They eat the Lamb of God. And in their wilderness wanderings, right brought on because they what, they grumbled, remember? Do you remember why they grumbled? Well, the land was full of giants, right? But it was full of food, right? They were supposed to go in and take the land. The milk and the honey and the giant grapes, but there were giants, right? So God put them on timeout and they wandered around in, in the wilderness, right? And then what did God do? What did he do? I heard it. Bread from heaven, right? Have some food. Who is that bread from heaven? It's Jesus, Right? this thing rolls, I may end up on the floor before it's over. Think of all the Old Testament feasts. They had some great barbecue. And I'm not trying to be flippant here. I'm really not. There's, there's an amazing amount of food. If you, you could spend a lifetime studying through all the food passages. And David tells us, he sums it up in Psalm 34. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen? Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Take and eat and trust. Take and eat. I think Marion says, or used to say it a lot. I don't know if he says it anymore. Take, eat, remember, and believe. Right? Right before you take the bread. If you would, grab your Bibles again. And let's go to John chapter 6. See, because this isn't just an Old Testament thing, is it? In John chapter 6, there's a ton here, but we're going to start at verse 48. And it says, Jesus speaking here, I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, what does it say? He will live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh which I give for the life of the world and the Jews' heads exploded. You probably have a different translation. (laughs) He said, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? It's a fair question. And then Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed and my blood is drink indeed. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwelleth in me And I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread that came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate manna and are dead. He that eats of this bread shall live forever. That's pretty heady stuff. And Peter knows this. Right? Back to Peter. He says... Wherefore, laying aside all malice, and all guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, and all even evil speakings, as newborn babes, as lambs, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious." So now I've listed out three jobs, right? You're supposed to declare the good tidings of great joy. You're supposed to take dominion over everything. People don't like the word dominion. You know why? Because they think it means that we take over. They would be right. (laughs) And now it says that we are to taste and see that the Lord is good. To taste and see that the Lord is good. Elder Evans is about to tell you that you're supposed to eat Jesus. Everybody sit with me? We read this earlier too. In Revelation chapter 7. Did you catch this? They shall hunger no more. Neither thirst. any Anymore. Neither shall the sun light on them. Nor any heat. For the lamb. Which is in the midst of the throne. The lamb. Is the shepherd. The feeder. The feeder. Is the food. The Lamb of God is our good shepherd, and he shall feed us, and he shall lead us by living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. No more sin, no more pain, no more sickness. No more striving with your brother. No more yelling at small children. Because the good shepherd comes and gathers up that which is lost. The good shepherd comes and draws us into his bosom the good shepherd comes and gently leads us to fountains of living water. We are told that Jesus is the good shepherd over and over from Isaiah back to David. The examples are there. To Melchizedek bringing bread and wine. The Apostle John telling us that Jesus, or repeating what Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. He lays down his life for the sheep. The Lamb of God, the good shepherd, lays down his life in such a way that we can eat him and drink him. I want to make this connection because we, we're talking a lot about food, but we have to remember when we're talking about food, we're talking ultimately about what? Jesus and the Word of God. They are, they are linked. You can't pull them apart. Two sides of the same coin, right? Right? Turn with me to John 15. In John 15, starting at verse 7, of Jesus talking and He says, If you abide in Me, and My words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. We reformed types don't like these kind of verses, do we? Because it sounds like if we ask for something, we'll get it. That's what it says. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. And as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things have I spoken to you, that your, sorry, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full, comfort, and blessing, and joy, and good tidings of great joy, right? Rejoicing with joy unspeakable and full of glory, I'm not sure I got that right. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So we're told that the Lamb of God, the Good Shepherd, loves us so much that He lays down His life for us, and that He becomes our food, He becomes our nourishment, He becomes our source of life. And then it says, greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life for a friend. Remember when I said that we're supposed to speak God's word to one another? To the point where we are setting aside our agenda. We're setting aside the things we want to do, and we go to a brother or sister who needs encouragement. And we bring them the Word of God. We feed them like a shepherd. This Word of God is powerful beyond our imagination. I mean, from from speaking the universe into existence into the Word that comes into our ears and produces faith in a very cold, very dead heart. And that Word makes us alive Remember, if you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll live forever. That's what it said. You guys know how this works, right? We were dead. We hear God's word. The miracle happens. And what happens after that? We come to life. We're resurrected by the word of God. By eating and drinking and feasting on the Word of God. Second Timothy says this, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child, from a lamb, right? From a child thou hast known the holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation, through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture, the Word of God, is given to us by inspiration of God. It is literally breathed out by God. And it is profitable to us for doctrine, and for reproof, and for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. The Word of God is powerful enough to fling the galaxies into existence. It is powerful enough to create in us a new heart. It is powerful enough to make stubborn, stubborn people capable of good works. That's pretty amazing, huh? This passage continues and says that He shall gather the lambs with His arm. He will deliver them from captivity if we go back to the original context, right? So by that strong arm that wins the victory, He very gently and very carefully scoops us up and places us near his heart. You get that? He gathers us up. He reestablishes this relationship with us. This word comes to us, and, and, and communion is restored. Fellowship is restored. And like John. Right? At Passover, we lay on his bosom. He gathers us up and he carries us in his bosom. And this phraseology even has with it the idea that our sins are forgiven. This is how that relationship is restored, right? Is that that sin is taken away from us because God can't be near sin. So our sin has to be taken as far as the east is from the west. And then this this Lamb of God, this good shepherd, takes us up in His arms. This is a picture we don't think of very often, is it? That Jesus, the great warrior king, defeating all of His enemies, cradles us like a baby. He takes us into his bosom. But it doesn't stop there, does it? He is such a good shepherd. He is so tender and caring and kind that he knows that he can only go so fast. He can only lead so quickly. He has to wait for the weak and the frail and the young to keep up. He knows that he has to wait for the nursing moms because nursing moms have their hands full and they're distracted. And it tells us in Genesis, and this is talking about Jacob and Esau, but there's a quote here that really feeds into this. He says, let us take our journey and let us go and I will go before you. And he said unto him, my Lord knows that the children are tender and the flocks and herds with young are with me. And if men should overdrive them, One day, all the flock will die. We have a culture that tells us that we are strong enough. That we are brave enough. That we can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we can get it done. Right? It's a lie. We are the lambs. We are the weak, we are the frail, we are those who are nursing and need the milk, and if the Lord were to overdrive us, we would all perish. You know what that means? We can only go as fast, we can only go as far as the weakest among us. You who are strong are to bear the infirmities of the weak. You are to bear one another's burdens. My experience has been none of us want to be the weaker brother. Right? We're the stronger brother. We're carrying somebody else's burden. That may be true. But my experience has been that all of us, in one way or another, are a weaker brother. And we need not only the Lord to go slow for us, but we need one another to slow down too. And we need to be kind and gracious and willing to lay down our life and feed our brother or our sister. We can only go as fast as they can go. Their strength dictates our speed. And so you know what this means? This means a couple things. One, it means you need to be eating. And you need to be eating a lot. Because we are weak, and you need to build up your strength. Amen? Are you reading a lot? Do you take God's word in? And I mean a lot of it. I won't make you raise your hands. I'd like to ask yourself, do you get through the scriptures every year, twice a year, three times a year, four times a year, do I still have anybody with me? And see, I know what a big hypocrite I am, okay? I'll just confess that right now because sometime in this week, there's going to come a day where life is going to blow up. And I'm not going to read as much as I should. There might even come a day where I don't read. So true confession time. I'm one of the weak. Are you reading God's word? Are you listening to God's word? Are you singing God's word? Are you praying God's word? This all counts. You don't have to just be pounding through word after word. Take it in. Make it part of your life. Eat. Gain strength. You know the old phrase that says you are what you eat? It's true. Eat God's Word. Now, the other thing that is required here is that you are feeding. That you are serving. Dads, I'm talking to you now. Are you reading to your family? Are you making sure they're getting God's word every day? Now we're all thinking, uh-oh, I'm one of those weak too, right? See, because we need to be like Jesus, all of us really. We need to go from lamb to shepherd. Shepherd. We need to be those who need the milk of the Word into those who are feeding people. Who are feeding them meat. How many jobs is that now? Four? Are we up to four? So you need to be feeding God's people His Word. You need to be gathering up the young. You need to be taking them into your bosom. And you need to be leading those who are with young. As you are being shepherded, you need to shepherd others. You who are weak and frail need to gain strength so that you can feed those who are weak and frail. You who are strong are to be carrying the children. We are to be mindful of those who are tender in the faith. We need to be mindful of those who are young. Brothers, we need to not be overdriving moms and little children. Remember, the word tells us that if they perish, the whole flock is lost. Now, the great thing about this is this day, right? Remember at the beginning, we're supposed to go up to God's holy mountain and we're supposed to bring the good tidings of great joy, right? We are supposed to sing songs of deliverance. We are supposed to declare God's word. We are to praise him with our hands lifted and our voices lifted, amen? Amen. That's what I love about this worship service. We read God's word. We hear God's word. We sing God's word. We pray God's word. We come and we feast. And the glory of the Lord is revealed. Amen? Amen. O Zion, that's you. O Jerusalem, O beloved. Of the Lord, behold your God. Let's pray. Father, we once again say thanks to you. We once again lift our praises to you for a steady diet this day of your word. Lord, as we woke up reading your psalm this morning, as we Sang your psalms in this service as we prayed through your word in our confession of sin. As we heard your word assure us of our pardon. As we hear your instruction from your word. We pray that you will bless it. We pray that your spirit would continue to be active among us. Comforting us and leading us into the truth of your word. And Lord, as we prayed earlier, we ask that um, this intake of your word, this, this eating of your word, would make us become more and more like Jesus. Lord, we pray that as lambs, we could become more like shepherds. And we ask all this in the name of the good shepherd, in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.